Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So we're back. We, uh, we, we only had one podcast last week, as you may have noticed, last Tuesday. Some of you commented that it's given you time to catch up. Others of you commented you were missing the podcast. Uh, one of you commented you've been listening to the podcast twice a day on, on dog walks, and you wish we'd now go faster because you've now caught up on our, what, nearly 200 podcasts. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's madness. We can't go any faster. Two's as fast as we can go. But we are back with the first of two for this week. This is coming up on July 4th weekend here in the U.S., and uh, wow, there is a lot going on. But I want to say two things have just struck me. We're about to be in July. Yeah, yeah. Which, on one level, wow, we're about to be in July, but I'm going to go nuts for a second. It kind of seems like September is a long way away. It's not. <laughs> we have our pilgrimage trip coming up. If you've thought about it at all, you, there are some of you out there that are kind of circling the trip, haven't decided because you're thinking, it's September. Trust me. You need to book it sooner rather than later. We, we need eight people to go. We can take 12 of you. We need eight to go. We have a few of you in already. We have a few of you others that are very seriously circling. I would ask, please, if you're thinking about it seriously, uh, let us know. Let's get you a deposit in. Let's get you on the book so that, A, we know we're really taking the trip. I mean, I'll be really very transparent with you guys. If we don't get eight people, we can't take the trip. Right. right. So we really want to go. Uh, I don't think if we don't pull off the first one, we're going to be like, well, we'll try again next year. I mean, this is really kind of our, our inaugural trip. We want to do it annually, but the first one's got to work. So I'm just being really, really, really honest with you guys. So if you're thinking about it, trust me, September is sooner than you think. And also, to get good plane tickets, you're going to want to be booking plane tickets by early August. So this is all coming up much faster than you realize. So please, if you're thinking about pilgrimage trip, we really want to take this. It's going to be even better than the film. So get on EverydayDriver.com, the Adventures tab, and look at that. And even before that, we have Chicago, which is going yes. to be even more nuts. Let's, uh, Many of you were talking about that. Yeah, we've got Chicago Track Day, and uh, gosh, lots going on here. My head is swimming with all this information to share, but I'm glad you brought all that mm -hmm. up because we're going to keep pushing on this trip. We really want to go. We want to take you guys. You've heard us say this before. So please, really, start uh, asking the wifey and uh, getting the approvals. <laughs> And bring her along. Really, trip but to Europe. We can take non-drivers. We can. There you go. There, it's very true. But, but it's been clear with the thing, the responses you and I have been getting. It's been clear that there's a good number of people out there. Certainly, a whole, frankly, twelve people trip full that have seriously considered it. It's just we're in that we're in that limbo where people are thinking about it and don't know if they can or should pull the trigger. And, and so it's made me aware of the fact that there's interest and there are people that could go. So we just hope that the, you guys will, will realize the, the reality of it as far as time is concerned. It is sooner rather than later because at some point we will have to pull the plug if you haven't signed up, which would be a bummer because we know you're interested. So anyway, yes, that's going yes. on. Well, speaking of Chicago. And you're signing up in droves for Chicago. Yeah, keep going. Speaking of Chicago, we have a couple car debates. We're trying to go faster. I promise you we are trying to build up – more car debates. That's where we're, we're kind of spending about 15 minutes each on the car debates and yeah, then, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, trying to race through these because they keep pouring in to the email and Everyday Driver TV, our Gmail address there. So keep them coming. We're keep plowing through these. Please. 
But Please. we do have another Paul who is in Chicago writing to us with a dilemma. And actually, both of these uh, car debates, both of them are very unique because we've never discussed these situations before. So Paul's situation is he has been given a free car. And we will tell you what that is. I will tease you and tell you what that is in a little while. Been given a free car and thinking about doing something else. And you'll you'll scream and cry and laugh when you hear what this car is. Because it was mm-hmm. given to him. So he's the middle child of three and his older brother gave him this car. By the way, Paul, would you like to come to the track day in August? August 22, <laughs> it's a Monday. You're in Chicago. The car that you actually want would do just fine on the track. So anyway, <laughs> we will talk about that. And we also have car debate Andy from Southwest Michigan. This is unique because the big requirement here is that the car he buys next has to be union made. And by union made, it's the United Auto mm-hmm. Workers in the United States. So the UAW in the U.S., We've never debated around this before. As a matter of fact, it's never really entered my mind before when coming to choose cars. But I know this Mm -hmm. matters to a lot of families, a lot of generations of families. This is a big deal. And so we want to talk a little bit about this. By the way, I'm proud to say my Jeep Grand Cherokee is union made. So I am uh, really thrilled with that car. The more I drive it, it's luxurious and tough. And I like that a lot. So Mm -hmm. that is uh, a union car there. But he's got a lot of suggestions. But overall, whatever we do... It's got to be a union-made car. So that is pretty interesting. And then we'll uh, wrap things up with your plus 30 questions on Facebook, which is astounding which me. Is awesome. <laughs> Shoveling yeah. the Facebook questions in our general direction, which is great. So thank you. This which is, nice. is great. It's what we hoped for and what we asked for. And, well, we asked for it, and here it is. That's clearly what's We did kind of sure. ask for it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. So jumping right in, there's lots of news to be had. Uh, lots of news announced, uh, most notably with uh, one of my favorite car manufacturers. You want to talk a little bit about that? <laughs> Do we have to? Okay, for those of you that are braced for your drinking game, uh, <laughs> fill your glass. It starts now. We are going to talk go. about the Porsche Panamera. Here it is. So there's one Porsche mention. I'll just ring the bell again. That's right. The Porsche Panamera has been leaked, the new one. And, <laughs> and we have pounded on it from day one, as many journalists have, that it is just not attractive enough. And honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cue you up a bit, Paul, because one of the things you talked about when it first got introduced, originally got introduced, you made the comment where the problem was the back end. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you really theorized that if they, if they reshaped just the back, like from the rear axle back, they could make the car pretty. And, you know, kudos to you, man. It's like you're a designer or something, because that's pretty much what they've done. <laughs> well, thank you. I have not gotten around to sketching that out because I wanted to take – a few different angles of that first-gen Panamera, the one we know now, and sketch what essentially is the Cayman rear end on that Panamera. Mm-hmm. It would make it more sedan-like, but just a, a little bit of lip, just a tiny bit, and lo and behold, that's what's happened. Now, I went searching mm-hmm. on the Porsche website, the Porsche USA website. They're still just teasing that back end as of right now, but that yeah. it's funny because that's all they're showing. The teaser image is the back end as if they're kind of admitting something. <laughs> and even though I don't want to admit that it's not the greatest, it isn't. It could be better. It yeah. could have been better. Yeah. They had that shooting break kind of looking thing as a concept. Which was cool. Which was very cool. Uh, I'm not sure how much that would appeal. It was kind of a shooting break wagon-ish, like a four-door shooting break, if you can imagine that. And, well, uh, that's like the journalist that. special car. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the car that journalists and people that love wagons would buy. 
but they would have a hard time kind of pushing it on others. And let, yeah. and we've joked before, the Panamera has always been the four-door 911. And so, you know, that's always been the idea. In fact, Dan Roth from Autoblog, I don't know if you saw this, Paul, he actually, when the, when this teaser came out, he sent us an email and said, hey, look, guys, pictures of the, four, of, of the brand new Panamera. <laughs> I saw that. And it was those horrible photos from the 70s and when they originally took a 911 and they made it a four-door thing and it's this guppy brown thing on wheels. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you for that. Yeah, we get, did a good lot. a good laugh. Uh, yeah, exactly. I opened up and went, oh, you got more pictures? You jerk. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, because I've seen that thing far too many times. But, yeah, at least they are fixing it. Keep going. This is fun because, uh, yeah, they've teased the back end. We saw the leaked photos. Somebody apparently, yeah, put them out there. They're out there. Maybe it was deliberate, maybe not. But from what I can tell, lush. I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing here. It's kind of like, all right, the first-gen yeah. uh, Cayenne wasn't really a looker. They refined it no. over the years. Oh, oh you're, you're, you're being kind. Where, well, <laughs> I am. It's, it's me. It's me. Hey. First, first gen Cayenne is just it's it it actually borderline makes the Panamera attractive, but yeah, it, it's it's a it's a, it's, a, it's an unattractive car. I see those. And and I it's go, actually Whoa. The, oh yeah, it's a Porsche. Yeah, I should like yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. Get get shocked by it, then kind of check yourself there. I totally hear you. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So uh, so those were you know the first shot, as was the Panamera first first try first mm-hmm. shot. Here we are at the second gen. Wow, they have really incorporated a lot of the new features that we like, the the uh, signature headlights and taillights. Mm-hmm. I'm liking things. I can't wait to see it in the flesh, of course. But And as you pointed out, what this all does is make the current Panamera hopefully come down in price. It's a, it's yep. a great car to drive and own if you can it you is. Know, it get is. over the styling, as you're saying. Let's yeah, mm-hmm. something to really consider. I mean, I wonder what it'll do. You know, well, it's still a Porsche, but who knows? Who knows? Well, but you know, those granted, those those very first gen Cayennes also are reliability uh, problematic, so that contributes to their yeah. precipitous drop in value. But these original Panameras, uh, people that I know that have them, I mean, obviously it's it's Porsche maintenance costs, but they're not you know they're not exorbitant as far as reliability is concerned. But I have to think that when this new one drops and it's so much more attractive, those are going to take a severe hit in used car prices. And that just helps, I think, us and our ability to say to you guys, hey, have you thought about a Porsche? Because, you know, those will be even more affordable and they are truly fantastic to drive and be in. Uh, and when you're sitting, and when you're sitting inside it, you don't have to look at it, which is great, you know. So that that works out well. Not too. only do we want you to be in a Porsche and own a great car, we want you to be drunk as a skunk on the floor. Porsche, there you go. Keep drinking. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, We're trying to kill you with our unofficial <laughs> drinking game. All anyway. the people listening to this podcast have alcohol poisoning. It's very strange. Anyway, um, <laughs> two things before we jump into the car debates. The first is this Mercedes AMG GTR recently announced. As part of the Goodwood Festival of Speed, which I had the fortunate opportunity to attend last year, I miss being there right now. It was awesome. And I just want to say that Mercedes has painted this thing Candy Apple Fish Scale Metallic Hulk. It is <laughs> Fish Scale Metallic Hulk. They have that partnered is good. I like with that. Marvel. That's very good. They have created the uh-huh. Hulk. Look at the specs on this thing. It looks like the Hulk equivalent of a car. It does. I kept thinking about this. They painted it metallic green the green is actually kind of growing on me i kind of dig it because Mm -hmm. they could have gone traditional black silver you know red we've seen it in red yellow is what they brought the gts in we've kind of seen all that but green this is this gives you lasik 
for your eyeballs when you see this color. <laughs> the, the color alone will give you eye surgery. No, um, I'm kind of impressed by this thing. You got to drive one yeah. at a track day, the GTS. I did. But I did. holy moly, this is the Hulk. They have created the Hulk. That's my comment on this car. I can't wait to see yeah. it in person, honestly. Should be fun. Yeah, it's it's great looking. And, and honestly, I would love to do a really worthwhile review of that car because I thoroughly enjoyed it on a track. And it would be a fun car to get on camera and really cover well. Plus, I want to get you in it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do the, the big throwdown, of course, they do the crazy color. I actually think it's funny that Mercedes and BMW do the opposite thing when they release their th throwdown car. Mm -hmm. BMW has the M3 in fun colors. Like, you know, when they first dropped the M3, it was like that weird kind of metallic-y orange, almost a brown color was a lot of the M3 test cars <laughs> and that kind of thing. Right. And the weird colors. But then when they release their GTS, it's matte black. Mercedes right. is doing all silvers and blacks and these kind of things. And then they release their, their uh, GTS version, and it's this this eye-piercing almost uh you know uh almost going to green screen with it green it's it's like it's like an hdr version of green screen green it's really what it is it's it's quite that's funny so yeah that's funny and then you know all the tuners are going to get a hold of this thing and create one million horsepower out of this car i yeah it's going to be something else so apparently because it was uh partially named after the green hell the nurburgring one of our favorite places on the yeah. planet because it had so yeah. much development time on the ring. So kind of interesting, but okay, it's kind of working. I kind of dig it. Um, anyway, so, and then one last thing before we jump into the car debates, things that make you go, hmm, Top Gear USA <laughs> was canceled for immediate future as Rutledge Woods Instagram post said, canceled for the immediate future on the History Channel. And I guess I can see why, because I'm the kind of viewer that would come across it and watch it for a few minutes and then kind of move on. And here I am, car super duper freak. And well, you know, I, I kind of just went, eh, okay. So I can't, I can't say I'm surprised. I guess that's kind of one of those. It's one of those shows. And I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I watched the first probably two seasons religiously. What are they on? Three or four seasons now. And I, mm -hmm. honestly, I dropped off after the second season. But but definitely after they found a rhythm. It seemed like after they found a rhythm, they no longer got press, good or bad. So at mm -hmm. that point, who's watching? You know what I mean? It's, it's the people that have already point. set up their DVR, and you're not going to really gain any more people, I don't think. It just kind of lumbers along. And I also feel like they did kind of fits and starts on their shooting schedule. So I, I, I'm not too surprised by this. Um, but the, the thing I don't like is I hate that if you watch a car show on American television, it's pretty much just a build show. The build yeah. show with yeah. the crazy personalities with the oddball hair and the guy in the background doing the metal grinder for no apparent reason and, you know, overly, <laughs> overly controlled edits and invented drama. And it's a build show. And that's what car guys want to watch. And I keep going, do we? Don't we just – aren't there those of us out there that want to watch like a really well-produced – like what we do, what really well-produced car review show? Is that so strange? But <laughs> – <laughs> the U.S. The, the U.S. television market, though, is does not welcome that because it's a very difficult reality for sponsors. Uh, you know, what if you say something bad about the car? I mean, it's really difficult to get a show like that on the air in the U.S. I mean, we've tried, we continue to try, but build shows rule, which I find unbelievable. But uh, yeah, so one of the one of the only non-build car shows in the U.S. now dead, which is a little bit sad, I have to say. Yeah, it is. Although, you know, Cats, the show, musical show on Broadway, finally went away because people stopped buying tickets. And, uh, you know, American Top Idol, that, or, yeah, um, American Idol, um, yes. that's finally gone away because, uh, I don't know, is it boredom? Is it just we've peaked? We've done <laughs> so much a, of it? I, well, but, 
you know oh. what's shocking about shows like that? Survivor, for example, is on like Survivor. its 20th season. That's, that's you know, the, these shows that were phenomenons when they introduced <laughs> so and they go away named. with a whimper. <laughs> they go away so... with a whimper, you know? <laughs> the, the, yeah, sur- surviving uh, budget cuts and, and uh, TV executive producer meetings. <laughs> that's why it's called that. But. Um, well, but you know, if they if if you have those shows like that that are just workhorses, I mean, American Idol is one of the best ones in recent memory. But before that was uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Remember when that was on for a brief oh, time? It was on five right. nights a week. Right. Just I mean, we're off in the weeds us. now. But but as soon but as soon as you know, show, a show becomes a phenomenon, then the network that that's on runs it into the ground, and then the people that are that are going to fall away anyway get quickly over it, and then it lumbers for a few years, and that's what's happened with this Top Gear. I feel like so anyway. How about some show that's part Broadway musical, part outdoor survival show on some remote island, adding cars that you have to build to get off the island? And Sur- Survivor Glee Gear. Ooh, have I done it? I think you've I done don't know. it. Anyway, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and my brain hurts now. There's, there's, a, there's, there's, yeah. Uh huh. I should create a drinking <laughs> game for myself so I don't do that again. Anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. Finally, we've arrived to the car debate. <laughs> you were wondering when that was. T- when that was, the time is now. Yep, and here we are. Finally, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Paul in we're Chicago. We're going to try to save ourselves by moving on. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to just slowly back away from that dumpster fire there. So I'm. I'm going to just. <laughs> <slow>. Fantastic description. <laughs> All right. Yes, Paul. Paul, our, our friend Paul in Chicago uh, has an interesting dilemma. Uh, and I don't. And you know what? You've you've coined it a dilemma, Paul. And I have to acknowledge, I'm not sure that's the right word. Um, this is a first world problem, my friend. That's really <laughs> what you have here. Uh, you have a 2006 Alpine White E46 M3. Now, this is one of those enthusiast halo cars. That E46 M3, that early 2000s M3. Uh, that's a car that, I mean, you can't say enough nice things about it in the enthusiast circles. You've got 114,000 miles on it. Uh, you love it. It's six-speed manual. I mean, this is this is pretty much a car we would recommend people go buy. You have one. But, Paul, I think you should share how he has one. <laughs> so remember that uh, we mentioned that Paul is the middle child of three and warned us that this information is relevant. And here it comes. It's because his older brother gave it to him. He mm-hmm. purchased it brand new as a wedding gift, had kids, needed a bigger car, didn't have yep. any spare room left in the garage, and gave it to Paul. I mean, who does that? Who gives your younger well, it's, brother a, it's, hey, hey, bro, an M3? do you want my M3? <laughs> yeah. Let me think. Um, sure. I mean, this thing, Paul sent his photos. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It looks brand new. It looks pristine. Mm-hmm. It looks beautiful. And, yeah, well, older brother is doing all right, sounds like. He's got a Mercedes CLS 550. I'm just wondering, what did he do for your younger brother? I mean, what did you have to do to placate him <laughs> or your younger What's, sibling? Yeah. Are, are, do you have to give up the M3 at some point? Is there something else waiting at older brother's lineup that's going to fall into his lap? This, can, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and do I get adopted somehow? That's the next question. Yeah, I, no I, I will happily play younger brother. Anyway, moving on. All right, so Paul has replaced a lot of stuff on this car for maintenance reasons. And this is the stuff Mm -hmm. we talk about on BMWs, high-strung M cars. He's done the clutch oil pan, went from the dual-mass flywheel down to a single-mass. He swapped out a worn lower control arm, spark plugs, oil changes, a few conservative modifications. He spent close to five grand so far, loves the car, and he's had three people offer to buy it from him. 
I'm mm-hmm. not shocked at that by any means. Yeah, true, true, true. But uh, wandering eyes. He's got some wandering eyes, which is pretty funny to to think about here. Well, um, and he acknowledges he acknowledges that he's he's intellectually aware that what on earth are you doing? You've been given an M3. You actually like this M3. It was handed to you. Your your only payment, so to speak, are to keep it running, and yet you're looking around for other options. But you've kind of bumped into the, the your own reason for this in, in your uh, letter to us here, Paul, and you've said because you want something that's your car, that's your choice. Sure. And that's why you're looking around. That I think that's kind of... Inve- I think it would happen to anybody, honestly, because you have that car that you really like, but somebody said, hey, do you want this, is different than you went out and bought something and went, I want that. I want to go seek that out. It is a different reality. It's it's subtle, but I totally get it. And you're looking at, of all things, a Mustang, which is an interesting shift. I mean, there's similarities there, obviously, but it's an interesting shift. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because he is looking at this independent rear suspension that is on the new Mustang, and it's got the V8. Mm-hmm. He likes the proportion. He likes the styling, specking it out. Uh, of course, with the V8, I'm guessing the GT here. Of course, uh, we would push you if uh, you know if you'd had the money to go for the GT350. But they're still <laughs> in a place right now where you're going to pay marked up prices, and you know we all know that right now. So GT. Yeah. Bring that car to Chicago Track Day, by the way. It's coming up August 22nd. Mm-hmm. Plug for Chicago yep. Track Day. We'd love to see you. We'd love to see you. Uh, I, I don't think you're wrong, but what Paul is asking here is our opinion is, should he buy the Mustang and hang on to this M3? Should he mm-hmm. buy an economy economy car? Because he is currently driving, uh, what else is he driving here? Uh, Nissan Murano. Murano, that's right. So this is the kind of bang around, errands, commute, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's looking at maybe a Fiesta ST, which, <clears throat> by the way, are $14,000 used. So you could do yep, that. they're dropping like stones. I mean, you could on. go Mustang GT, all Ford product. Fiesta ST for the beater. <laughs> Mustang GT <laughs> for your fun car. All Ford, switch everything out. I mean, and then the final choice here is sh- should he not buy anything at all and then really go after the M3, mod it like crazy, you know, all that kind of stuff. Go nuts with, mm-hmm. uh, with the modifications on that. I, I think you're, you sold yourself on the Mustang, and I won't tell you. I won't steer you away from that, really, because we like that car. Great car. Yeah. yeah. I, I get that. If that appeals to you, we're going to say go for it. I hope you've driven it. I hope you do go drive it and confirm that mm-hmm. before you do. But these are the choices. Should he buy the Mustang and keep this M3, buy this economy car and you know lightly continue modifying the M3, yeah. or just completely get rid of it? By the way, everybody, would you like to buy Paul's M3? He's selling a brilliant, <laughs> well, beautiful but car. See, but see, that's, that's the thing. I, I, I get the sense – I get two things that I, I feel like are a little bit foggy on this, on this letter. And one is you don't actually give us a budget, Paul, so I'm not exactly sure how much you can throw down. So we're flying a little bit blind there. Secondly, I, I get the sense in here that you, know, you, have, you have this M3 and you do like it, and there's a part of you that almost feels like you will keep it. And, you know, maybe end up, you're talking about buy the Mustang and have two sports cars. I'm going to say this to you about that M3. Because it was given to you, unless unless your older brother is saying to you, you must keep this car. And I would submit to you if he says that, then you say to him, would you like it back? But Mm -hmm, but here's the thing. Since it's not modded right now, people are asking you if they can buy it off of you. It is probably never going to be worth more than it is this minute. The minute you start modding it, it'll actually be worth less. So if people are asking you to buy it, I say sell it. 
unless it's carved for some reason family-wise you have to keep, I think you do sell the M3. Get as much out of it as you possibly can. I mean, look, 20 years from now, a stock E46 M3 might be worth much more than it's worth now. It might. But you're not going to just mothball this car for 20 years. It's right. worth money now. You mod it. It'll be worth less. I say sell that M3. Nothing wrong with selling a car you like. Take all the money that you have, and let's go get you something really genuinely fun. I think that is step one. I think that M3 goes just because it's worth something, and it you know it, it's a car that you feel like you can leave. I like the Mustang, but you're talking about wanting a V8. So I'm going to say to you, to you if you're going to drive the Mustang, can debate the Mustang. You simply, I've got to say it. It's obvious you have to go drive the new Camaro as well. Glad you said that. At least that. go drive it. Yep. Um, and then I have one other one that's striking me, and that is, look at the E92 BMW mm-hmm. M3. You like that M3. You like the M3. You want a V8. At least go look. you got to at least drive it. Fantastic. I am in complete agreement. I mean, it's, it's not often this happens, but sell the M3 because you've had offers. Take your brother mm-hmm. to a really nice dinner as a thank you. Hey, I sold the BMW. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and yeah, look at the Camaro SS. That's exactly, that was on my mind. I love the Mustang GT as well. And then, uh, yeah, your suggestion with the E92 is also great. Um, I kind of like the idea of going to your Ford dealer and saying, hey, I'm throwing down money. Let's find me a used Fiesta ST that you're just going to kind of give me a really sweet deal mm-hmm. on because I'm buying two cars from you this minute. Sure. I mean, there, there's something to buying power there. If you walk in with money and say, I'm a, I'm a customer, you know, help me out. Sure. What do you want to do for me? Sure, yeah. Find a used yeah. ST, give me that new Mustang V8 GT, and uh, yeah, you could be all in the Ford family. But who knows? That Camaro might really appeal to you, and so might the BMW. You might stay German. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we're suggesting go drive these cars and decide. But either way... I think get rid of the M3. As as crazy as this sounds, and as funny enough how we've recommended this car to other people, but here's the reason. You've had it a while. You've driven it. And yeah. now I have to backtrack and say I'm not taking my own medicine. <laughs> get out of something different. But, I'm, I'm, but, but at the same time, the yeah. difference with this, Paul, is the fact that we're talking about a car that ultimately was his family hand-me-down. And... That's, you know, okay, yeah. he wants a car that he went, I went and picked this. I get that. I totally get that. Especially as a car guy, you have that right. thing where you went out and you selected your car. So let's get right. you into something else. And if it is that E92 M3, you know, there's lineage there. I get that. You like the BMW? There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, be it that, the Camaro, the Mustang, it's a car that you went, I want a V8. Okay, done, box checked. And I want a car that speaks to me. And you can go shopping for colors, and you can go shopping for options. Whether you're buying right. new or used, I'm not even sure. With the E92, you're probably going to buy used, but I'm guessing at your budget entirely. Um, but you know, I so I think there's it can be your car, and that's cool. One last thought, Paul, and that is you're never going to get your money back out of extensively modifying that M3. The closer you keep True. it to stock, the easier it'll sell. I betcha, mm-hmm. you're just not going to get your money back. So I kind of feel like you're. Mm-hmm throwing your money away go change go get something different you're already eyeballing it just scratch the itch go scratch the itch please (laughs) and let us know when you do so with that we'll move on to the next debate here which is andy close by he's in southwest michigan 
writing to us, and he is the must-buy union guy that we were telling you about. Yep. This is the big mm-hmm. one. You and I have never discussed, and in a lot of cases, it never really enters our conversation. You know, a lot of the Japanese and German manufacturers have opened production plants, manufacturing facilities in the United States, and uh, it's, you know, back and forth. It kind of depends on the manufacturer. But I'm I'm guessing, Andy, you've got family reasons, longtime heritage, quite possibly your Clearly, family yes. members work for the union, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I get it. And you've listed, you know, here's the dilemma. First of all, here's the car you drive. Then here's the cars you're considering. But there are a couple that I want to suggest at the very end, but want to tell your story mm-hmm. here first. Yeah. All right. I mean, he, uh, he has this, uh, he has an ATS-V right now. Sorry, ATS 2-liter, all-wheel drive. So he has a Cadillac ATS. He went out and bought himself that Caddy, the 2-liter all-wheel drive. So it's got the 2-liter turbo, and he is having the same realizations we are and many of us about that, and that is this is an un- incredible car to drive dynamically. He just kind of can't believe how good it is in that reality. The problem is it has been, it sounds like, almost shockingly unreliable for him, which is really too bad. I mean, Andy's had this in the shop in the last 7,000 miles into the dealer for four times for warranty work, and he's not talking oil changes. And he's starting to wonder if this is going to be the life of this car. Now, you know, we haven't heard anything across the board about the ATS being problematic like this, but, I mean, you've talked about this before, Paul. I mean, there are literally, you can get a random car on built on the wrong day of the week, and it can be less reliable than one built on the other day of the week. It and happens so still. You have, you have one that clearly has a problem, and so you're going, okay, I want, want to do something next. And, you know, you, you live in southwest Michigan. You want all-wheel drive. So, okay. And then, yeah, as you mentioned it already, Paul, but the, the you, you've clarified. If you show up in a Japanese car that isn't union-made, you are not welcome at family functions. That's a serious <laughs> throwdown of a problem. Yeah. I mean, it may sound ridiculous, but that's, that's the reality of, of your situation and your family, Andy. So, okay, so we've got to try to be careful. And, uh, yeah, you've got about $20,000 and a, a list of things you're already looking at. Yeah, glad you said that because that's about what he could get for the Cadillac. And I'm sorry to hear that. I'm, it's a 2013 car. I mean, I would have thought those would yeah. have been fine. And it sounds like it's just under like a lemon law kind of uh, thing where that's your next step. It's not quite there, yeah. but it's starting to go that way. Uh, yeah, I hate to say it. So you're just wanting out of that, even though you like it. Sell it for about seventeen. Go back to the twenty thousand dollar price range, and you've got these cars listed here that you have, I think, been interested in, and most of them you have driven, even though some of them have not been union. But I applaud you for that, Andy, because you've got that benchmark. You've got that knowledge in mm-hmm. your hip pocket. Mm-hmm. Focus ST. 2016 GTI, a Ford Fusion Titanium all-wheel drive. You also yep. drove the 2012 Audi A4 with the S-Line. What else? A 2013 BMW 328 with X-Drive, mm-hmm. so also all-wheel drive. Yep. Sensing a theme here, it's got to be all-wheel drive. And yes, uh, what else? Finally, Mustang, EcoBoost, and V6. So both, of, uh, both flavors of the Mustang that are not the V8. But then after learning driving those that your wife is requiring back doors for the kids that you are planning on having. And so it's got to be all-wheel drive, four doors, 20,000, mm-hmm. and union-made. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I went doing, doing my research here. I, I, well, you know. I did. I, I, yeah, we we kind of have to. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it. Look, somebody out there is having a drinking game related to, to me in this car, but I'm going to say it anyway. You have drifted from all-wheel drive a few times on this list. 
True. Uh, so clearly it's your preference, but it's not a requirement. So, uh, and, and you're willing, I mean, even on your ATS, you bought winter and summer tires. Here's me applauding you. You hear me? I'm applauding <laughs> you. So, yeah. So you're willing to do the tire swaps. I, I applaud you on that. That's great. I'm going to say it. Chevy SS, I, I, at least go look. Because mm, sure. you're, 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 wanting, you're wanting a car that's dynamic. You need it to be built by unions. Okay, go shop for that car. Look, you, you've got twenty grand to spend. There may be no way. So, okay, look at a used uh, G8, Pontiac G8. I uh, just was talking with a guy this weekend that bought one used, and we were joking about it because he was like, nobody has them in Utah because they see rear-wheel drive sedan and they freak out. So nobody bought them. But he happened to find one. So you may have to go back to the G8, but you could get G8 options at this kind of money. And, uh, you know, I, I think you should at least go look at the SS. It may be totally out of your budget because, I, I, again, your budget, you claim it's 20K, but how you got there, I'm not following the math. So go drive the SS, benchmark that, look at the, at the G8 because I think that's an option. And I, I don't think rear-wheel drive is out of the question. So I have to throw those out because I feel like they're obvious to at least mention. I think those are good. Those didn't really pop to mind immediately. I just – not that I forgot about them, but they just didn't really – Enter my mind. Yeah. Those are definitely worth looking at. Absolutely. I mean, you could go back to, yeah, a little bit older Pontiac G8 and yeah. winter tires and probably do a lot of things on your list, Andy. I'm, I'm, hey, uh, honey, it's four-door. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, that's the reality of it. It's, <laughs> it, hey, it's, it is four-door. It's, it's four-door door for the kids we don't have yet, which I, I don't know that I, I agree with that shopping logic of it's four-door for the children we don't yet have. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that logic, but, but uh, hey, I, I understand. Your wife has said that. I get it. So, okay. Uh, it is, it is four-door. That does work. All right, uh, Andy, my research has produced two thoughts for you. Okay. And I will land first on the 2013 or 14 Dodge Charger SXT. This is an all-wheel drive car with the nearly sure, 300 yeah. horsepower V6. We drove that blacktop mm -hmm. edition, what, three, four years ago now? Something like that? It, it, it's all a big blur. It's been a while, yes. <laughs> We've driven a lot of cars since then. However, this is a car that kind of impressed us. We came away thinking, okay, it's mm -hmm. a big car. No doubt. No doubt. Sure. But yep. – you're in Michigan, plenty of space, ideally, I think. But I, 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 came, <laughs> I, I came away thinking, yeah, the V6 moves this car. It is not anemic. Yeah. It's not the Hellcat, but uh, who cares? Who cares? And uh, I just thought, you've got to go drive this car because kudos to FCA for really raising their game on interiors, yeah. build quality, yeah. Yeah. all of that stuff. I mean, I'm an FCA owner. I, I'm, yeah, you're right. I am uh, well, I'm there. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, doesn't that have I, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but I feel like that's got the ZF eight speed in it with that V six, and you know mm. that's a great gearbox. I would have and, to verify uh, that. Not exactly. Sure. I, I'm pretty sure it does. So I think it's got the the same uh, transmission as as your car. In fact, it has that much uh, debated transmission engagement thing that that is in the news right now. Oh so, yes. But true. anyway, but but it's but you can get it all wheel drive. I mean, here's the thing. Here in Utah, this is what the police drive. Yep. Year-round, yep. they drive chargers all-wheel drive, and they throw winter tires on them, and it's a throwdown car, and it, it works great for them. So I, I hadn't thought – I hadn't gone that route. I went places you didn't, but you went places I didn't, and I actually agree with that as well. That's an interesting one to at least drive since we have this uh, American-made union reality to deal with. I, I see that. I do. Yes, and then one other choice here. I haven't priced these out, but uh, what about a Taurus SHO? 
This mm. is a big family car, four doors, all-wheel yep. drive, yep. turbocharged V6 up front. This has gobs of power. And yep. I'm wondering about the Taurus SHO, to be honest. I yeah. I don't know. I, again, have not priced this. I've not looked them up. But I'm just wondering if you could well, but, stretch and get into one of these cars. Well, know? but that's been out long enough. Now he could get one. He could find a used one for his money. If, if, if 20 grand, if I'm following his math correctly and we're at 20 grand max, 20 grand max that car all day long. Yes, he could find them. Yeah. I have no question in my mind. Yeah. That's a very good one, yes. So consider those. Uh, there's really not a lot of other choices that fit your you know, fit your requirements. There's a lot of trucks and SUVs built, union built, of course, like my yeah. Jeep Grand Cherokee. But as far as fun, interesting cars, the Cadillacs are up there. But these are yeah. some other choices you've got to go look at, Andy. And, well, and, um, and you know, we, we would have, you, you and I would have gone and discussed Cadillac did, if Andy did not already own the car that he owns. Right. And, you know, I wonder right. about that, that two liter in general, if that is the source of your troubles. But, okay, um, you know, the, the, the chassis is great to drive, and we would have gone that route, but you've already gone that route, so it takes the Cadillacs out of the equation. But I think GM may be able to help you otherwise. I do like that, that Taurus idea, though. That's, that's a good one to look at for sure. Cool, cool. Well, thanks, Andy, for writing in. And, uh, yeah, write to us with your own debate on the website or our Gmail, Everyday Driver TV Gmail, and keep it coming because uh, this is fun. Please. This is uh, always stretching us. There's always a twist in there that really stretches us, so that's, that's a good thing. But in the meantime, we will move to the voluminous Facebook questions. Huge amount of yes. Facebook questions you guys have posted up here. And uh, For the, over the next gosh. three hours. We, no, wait, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There, there, there were 30-some when we started to record this, and I'm sure there will be more before we finish. So thank you for that. Nice. I have picked out, let me see, I think I've picked out three or four, and I think you've done the same. Uh, I have one here from Gorin. Gorin wrote in and said, what was the most difficult car to drive fast that we've reviewed? Mm. And I had to think about this for a while. And the one I came up with, it may not be the definitive answer. You may have a different one than me. But the one I came up with kind of surprised me. Okay. And that was the Countach. Oh, good one. I just, look, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed driving the Lamborghini Countach when we drove it. Uh, you know, we drove that 5000S, and it was red, and it was, I mean, it was all, check all the boxes of your Lamborghini Countach driving experience. That car did it. It just looked amazing. It, it ran well. It was all of the above. Honestly, a, the biggest reason, Goran, that I would put that car at the top of the list is because I realized I am just not made for that car. I am flat out too large for that vehicle. Hmm. Mm. And and I'm sitting there with my head slightly canted against the against the ceiling, and my knees up high enough that I had my knees right below where my fists were on the wheel, so I couldn't actually do much of a turn because I would hit my knees. So I had to do this really weird shuffle on the top half of the wheel. You take all that into account with the fact that this is an older car with no driving aids. It's worth a lot of money, and it's got that big expensive V12 out back that screams at you. And a gearbox that refuses to be rushed. So all of these things together, I enjoyed driving it, but at no point did I think, I want to drive this really fast. <laughs> you know, because I just thought, I, I will not have, I'm not comfortable enough in this situation that if something started to go awry, I'm going to be able to respond subconsciously fast enough. I don't have the room. I can't make it work. Mm. That's why I would say that. And combine that with the knowledge that if you burn up the clutch, it's something like, what, 10 grand to replace the clutch? 
or more. I don't remember I what it was. Yeah, it was wickedly expensive. The the owner had was really hoping we would not do zero to sixty pulls for that reason. So we just we used the stock numbers because yeah. he begged us. Uh, but yeah, I mean that was the, that was the thing. I just I thoroughly enjoyed driving it, but was fine. I think that was the thing that's funny about it. Uh, I the speedo in that car we drove was broken. Um, yeah, we got right. firmly into into third gear, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of triple digits at some point. So I got up there, but I was not. I did not get out of that car going, "I want to drive that faster." I got out of that car going, "What an amazing experience!" And I and with the utmost respect for those guys that did sling it around sideways in all weather, because I flat I flat out couldn't do it. I physically couldn't pull it off. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah, that is that is definitely in that category, especially with that gated shifter. That's just yeah. Well, uh, the car that I selected, Goran, was. It's not that it was so difficult to drive fast. It was the car that I felt was the hardest on both Todd and I. After driving it, it's mm. just hard mm. on you. And I don't no. want to own this car. I think you might know which one this is. I'm, I'm guessing, yeah. It's the 2011 C6 Corvette ZR1. The blue oh, one that we okay. drove. All right. All right. So a little quick story about this car. Uh, this is a car, again, that's you can drive it fast. It just beats on you. It beats back. It's got so much horsepower, and it's so powerful, and, and, you know, shifting is easy, steering, all that kind of stuff. But I was cruising along in third gear at 50 miles an hour, and stupidly, yeah. I thought, huh, wonder what she'll do. And so I stomped my foot flat without yeah. putting my head against the headrest first, and I strained my neck. I kid you not, it just took off so hard. I strain yeah. my neck, you know, because it whips your head back and your neck muscles yeah. instinctively try to catch you. And I pulled try my neck. Try to recover, yeah. And then later on, <laughs> you went for your drive. And you came back, yeah. and later in the day, you were kind of like sort of massaging your shoulders a little bit going, huh, I must have slept weird last night or something. And and then you kind of realized, wait a minute. I think no, the no. car yeah. hurt my shoulders. No. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. wait, this car hurt both of us just by, you know, getting after it, driving. Now, this is a car that, in, in the C6 guys, this is a car that has won Le Mans in its class, hugely yeah. fast, incredibly powerful, mm-hmm. you know, not the ZR1, but in uh, in racing trim. But still, the ZR1 yeah. Yeah, is yeah. just a brutal car to drive. And I think, I don't want to own this car. It's not fun to just have so much brutality that I'm not having fun when I stomp on it. I'm not... I want to have a fun sensation, not this, uh, this is going to cost me another trip to the well, chiropractor. All right, here goes. You know, Stomp. You know? You, you've, you've actually stumbled upon uh, somebody else's question in the process of this. I hadn't thought about this when we first started, but now that you brought up that one, I thought of another one. And that is the Viper. Yeah. I, I will f- fully acknowledge I have not driven the Viper much. My experience with it has been, you know, a couple laps on track days, and I – there's a part of me, honestly, that has always wanted to have, certainly the, the current version, for about a week or so and just mm. drive it doing everything. Because the problem I had with the Viper is, you know, some cars you drop into them and instantly all the controls just feel organic and they feel natural to you personally. I mean, the person behind you could get in and, and be all wrong for them. Sure. But there are cars you drop into and it just feels natural. The Viper didn't. I mean, I, I intellectually and subconsciously knew what I was supposed to do, but I could never quite get my shifts 
comfortable and, and fluid. And I just felt like the car and I were, it was like you've, you've gone on a date and it, nothing is working. It was that kind of thing. And I struggled with it so badly on the track. And, I, I, of course, you're sitting there with somebody in the right seat who's looking at you like, oh, good, one of these journalists, which is an experience I hate to begin with. So, you know, I just I didn't enjoy that car because I never kind of meshed with it. And now it's going away, even though I've heard the current version is awesome. But that car has been bought and sold on its kind of brutal demeanor far mm-hmm. more than even True. the vet. I mean, that's a car that is just about we're not going to clean it up. It's supposed to be rough around the edges. I feel like that market is shrinking. People that, that you know, that, that was the market. Honestly, let's be honest. That was the Lamborghini Countach years. When all the supercars, you drove them because you were manly enough and you got over the fact that they had their difficulties. Look at all the supercars now. They have to be that amazing, but they also have to be just kind of, yeah, this is easy to drive and it's a nice place to be. The Viper has stood defiantly against that. I think that market is shrinking. I'm not too surprised it's going away. Yeah, and even though the interior materials are better, the biggest problem with the interior is is there's just no room to snort blow while you're going 160 with a couple of hookers. It just is not conducive for our favorite activities. You know, you're right. That is exactly why you shop for these cars. Thank you. Thank you for saying what everyone was thinking because clearly that's what everyone was thinking. I mean, I know you're already thinking that, but I just – felt it was kind of obvious so just putting that that out there so uh, you know for that reason we're not sorry to see it go you know it's a brutal track oh. car it's incredibly fast on the track but you know we look for you know maybe a little bit less horsepower a little bit more enjoyable to drive horsepower is awesome it's not everything yeah i say that i i, I honestly would love to I, I, there's a part of it that's always wanted to do a generations of the viper thing just yeah. Honestly, to get us enough seat time amendment that I could feel like I could try to, to sync with this car. I've just always caught it a little bit kind of off step, mm-hmm. which is too bad. But but that's a car that, that is, you know, defined by its brutality. So anyway, yeah. go on. Uh, yeah, not sorry to see the, the Viper go, John. Um, anyway, what else is on the list here? Uh, Jarrett asks... Yeah. about uh, some things that we do when we get into a car for the first time and we're testing it. And then how do you apply that thinking to test driving something you're going to buy? Well, I will say, Jared, it's kind of the same thinking. And here's why. He sure. was cross-shopping yeah, 2010 yeah. BMW 535i or a the 2015 Chevy SS. So here mm-hmm. we go. The ultimate thinking that Todd and I go through is, would we want this car in our garage? You know, are we thinking it's a four-star car for both of us? You know, would it yeah. – does it speak to us in, in many categories? The thing you've got to throw out is uh, – I guess – or not throw out, but things that are secondary are things like refinement and materials and the number of options that it has – and mm. even seat comfort, seating position, those things matter. But the first thing that we're looking for is, what is it like at low speeds? What is it like at high speeds? Take it on your favorite road. Hopefully you have a favorite road. Yeah. And yeah. go drive. Go drive like you normally do. Go drive like you're doing some enthusiast driving. Does it speak to you? Do you want to live in this car? Do you want to spend time with it? You know, like the Viper, I, you know, fun, amazing. Do you want to spend time tooling around in a Viper? Mm. No, that's why they kind of hide in garages. So could you imagine yourself living with the car, you know, in, in your driving style and then start to think about, all right, it's got some options. Every car has power, everything now with 
a few exceptions. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like get rid of yeah. the sales guy kind of thinking, well, you know, let's turn on the Bose stereo and your favorite color is green. We can get in green and look at the stitching and who cares? Go drive yeah, we, this we car. Can make, we can make the interior lights green. Uh, yeah, I, you're speaking to something that I was going to say, and, and you're covering a lot of it, and I would kind of give it a banner, a banner headline and just say this. The tech is the bottom of our list. The, the, the tech yeah. features. Yeah. And, and I think part of that is because it clouds, is the car good to drive? It's, and it's the number one thing salespeople want to cover is all the tech. And secondly, yeah. you still have more tech in your pocket in the phone you, you, you're sitting on. I mean, that's the truth of it. <laughs> so the, the, the tech is the first thing that we ignore. I know that may sound weird, but, you know, I mean, we, we recently drove a BMW M2, and we've got some stuff coming on that. And I did. I, I did what I always do. I got onto the iDrive, and I connected my phone, and, and I did all that, and it was nice. Sure. But it was secondary to all of the other stuff that we worry about. And, you know, I'm going to say to you, Jarrett, that, uh, that I hop in and I try to figure out a seating position that works for me. Mm -hmm. I just sit there and I just try to go, okay, in this car, do I want to be as low as it'll go? Do I want to be middle ground? Uh, what's, what's, my, what's my leg distance? What's my arm distance? I want to figure that out. And some cars I end up wonderfully happy. And other cars, I'll give you a great example, the Evo 10. Hmm. The seats sure. are amazing. The seating position is never quite right. And hmm. I find myself, okay, I'm done. And now I'm, okay, but let me try to adjust the wheeling. Well, that's not going to work. And let me get the seat. Well, the seat's not going to go that way. And ah, all right, I just got to live with that, I guess. Yeah. That yeah. happens. But, you know, so I figure out seating position and figure out just do I like that. And then there's, a, there's an ergonomic step. And that is if I need to reach the, the stick, does it make sense? Am I hitting my elbow on the elbow rest? And again, this is personal stuff. I mean, you as a different body sh shape than we are, and everybody listening, it's going to be totally personal. Uh, my wife and I sit at the opposite ends of the full travel of the seat of our, our driver's seat of our Cayenne. Our, our two seating positions are about as different as they can be. I mean, it's that kind of thing. So you got to figure out how do you ergonomically work with the car because some cars are going to work well and others aren't. And then what's, what Paul's saying, go out and put it on a road and start to feel the sensations of it. And I would submit to you, try to take a minute, and we do this on all of our reviews, try to take a minute and think about individual sensations. Mm -hmm. Okay, for the next few minutes, right. how's the power? How's the transmission and the powertrain? Doesn't matter if I'm going around a corner right now, just how's that feel? And then for the next few minutes, do I like the way it turns? Do, how's the steering? I'm not, talking, I'm not talking ride quality at all. I'm just talking about steering feel. And now, oh, this road's kind of bumpy. Am I feeling the bumps? Do I, do I like that? Do, is, it, is, it, is it too harsh? Think about things one at a time. Drive for a few minutes just thinking about that. That can be so informative. That's really excellent. And you've got to think about in terms of car commercials, they've got a zillion cup holders and it's got this new turbocharger <laughs> yeah. and the leather. Look at the leather and the... We handcrafted the wood, and are the are the is that couple happy in their new Mazda CX nine? Are they happy? They look happy. They're paid to look happy, but I don't think yeah. they're happy. Does the car drive and well? And, and their and their kids are happy, and the dog is happy. The dog is you happy. You should buy this car. Yeah, I hear you. Look at the cup holders. Mm -hmm. Have we mentioned the cup holders? Because look at the cup holders. I mean, we've just got everything you could possibly want. But then, you know, how does the car drive? When does the turbo kick in if it has one? Is that yeah. going to be useful yeah, power for point. you? That's a great. You know, point. do you yeah. live in an area where you're going to be, you know, trying to get around traffic on a freeway? I, you know, having that mid-range power is important. Is that going to be, you know, all those kinds of things? And I like what you're saying. Individual sensations, 
kind of break that down and then come back to the price and the color and the, all that stuff that can change. But uh, yeah. yeah, you've got to be happy with the, with the core, the soul of a car. And that's what we're always looking for right as soon as we get it. That informs most of our commentary throughout the review. We come back to those early initial sensations and come to that Absolutely. and hammer Absolutely, on that yeah. through most of our reviews. You'll find that. Color, yeah. yay, power, whatever, air conditioning, who cares? <laughs> Blah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and, and, and the thing is those things matter, but those are the things that to some degree are almost in any car now. Right. So right. it's, you know, that, great. It has air conditioning and the stereo works and I can connect my phone and, 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 and impress me, honestly. What is the thing about this car as a piece of machinery that moves me that is actually engaging and I can have a relationship with it? And I'm sorry, we don't have a relationship with the car because you like the stereo and it has Bluetooth. Yeah. That's a car, you know? <laughs> anyway. Awesome. All right, keep going. What else is on your list? What other questions you've got? Uh, well, um, Bryce actually wrote a few weeks ago and asked a manual transmission question, but he bought his first manual transmission, and he said, advice for a first-time manual transmission owner, things to avoid. And he's, he's hinted at one that I want to speak to for sure, and that is we, we've all done this. If you drive a manual, we've all done this. You're driving. You're in first. You're driving with your left hand, if you're driving in, on, in the U.S. on our side of the road, driving with your left hand on the wheel and your right hand on the stick. Yeah. And you feel kind of cool, and you're driving along, and put the clutch in, and you shift a second. And your hand's still on the, on the stick. Stop that. Stop that right now. <laughs> hands on the wheel. Hands on the wheel. You're driving. You're driving. Both hands are on the wheel. And, and, and what's funny, Paul and I, when we, we started the show, neither one of us always drove both hands on the wheel. Now, all day, every day, anytime we drive our car, anybody else's car, you sit with us, both hands are on the wheel. We've just become this subconscious thing where that's how we drive. It's very hard for either of us to drive with either hand off the wheel for any reason. It's funny. Very strange. But... Driving that manual transmission, you've got hands on the wheel, you reach down, you shift very specifically, and you're back. That's yep. one big one. And then I would say, honestly, Bryce, try to heel toe. Try to heel toe because you're going to the grocery store or the mailbox or getting on the freeway or just, just try it. Be careful. Don't do it when you, you know, if it's not, not going to go perfectly, the guy behind you is going to run into your bumper. Be aware. But just try it because the only way to really learn how to heel toe is to just keep kind of trying. It's it's dancing. It really is. The first time you do it, you're going to be terrible at it. The only way you're going to be, get great is because you kept trying it. So I would say try that a lot. Fantastic suggestions. I'm totally in agreement. Uh, the shift knob does not help you steer the car. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> and it's funny because people will ride with us and they kind of notice, you know, we're both hands on the wheel all the time. And this is a safety and control issue. And people usually say, you you always do that? And then I explain what the show's done for us and, and what our, yeah. you know, increased speeds <clears throat> and uh, driving abilities have done. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the great questions well, or great suggestions, I mean. Um, but uh, one kind of funny one that I'll add that I always kind of like to try out on manual cars, and that is to see if I can creep along in traffic where you let the clutch out in first gear and your feet are off everything. Can the sure. idle power of your engine pull the does, car along does it have at low speed. Torque. Does it have enough torque to pull your car along at low speed yeah. in first or second gear? And just check it out because yeah. that might help with your commute if you have one. It's just a little trick there. See if your car can, you know, pull that along, pull your car along. You can create automatic creep with your manual transmission. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, don't 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 kill your clutch doing that, but it's a possibility. You're right. Yeah. yeah it's just kind of a yeah, that's kind of an out there thing. But otherwise, yeah. Keep both of those things in mind and uh 
Good question. Well, it's funny. The number of times that you and I have now ridden with owners driving their cars, I don't know if this has happened to you, but when they do what I can only describe as the bro stance, it's like really, really low. And I'm doing yeah. it. I realize this is a radio show and you can't see me, but I'm doing it right now. <laughs> you slump really, really low in the car so you know, you're barely looking out over the, over the shoulder of the window. I mean, your head's barely out. And you've got one hand kind of lightly draped over the top of the wheel and the other hand is doing kind of whatever. I get nervous riding with that person. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I didn't used to, but now I do. Yeah. You know, that's... and I I knew a girl, a good friend of mine, I knew a girl in high school, I don't know what her deal was, but she drove in like this weird girl bro stance where she always had her left hand on the top of the wheel and she leaned over. She leaned over on her elbow on the center console of her Honda Accord. So she always kind of had her head in the middle of the car. I'm, again, I'm demonstrating it here and you can't see me. I promise it's funny. But anyway, but she always <laughs> leaned over. And if you ever saw her driving, her head was like in the center of the car. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So if I rode with her now, it would probably drive me even more nuts. But anyway. That's funny. The thing that bugs me is people who drive with their right hand on the seat, on the headrest, on the on the seat right next to them. You know, so they're oh, sure. kind of yeah, reclining. Yeah. Like, really? Could you just please drive? Put down your everything and drive. It shouldn't be well, fourth or fifth on the list when you're sitting in that seat. Then you get the road trip thing that happens. And, and I've seen men do this, but women do it a lot more often than men. And that is the foot up on the A-pillar, the left foot up on the A-pillar, and often with the window down and the foot almost out the window by the, by the mirror. Have you seen that one? Oh, you see that on road trips. You see yeah. that on like on, on cruises, especially if you're like at a lake or something. It seems like people just decide to do that. I don't know what it is. I don't even air your foot out, but that foot <laughs> up there by the mirror, I see that, and I always wonder if if you get in a wreck, uh, that's just that's all bad. It's all <laughs> then, bad. There's the nothing good will come from officer, that. And then screaming. Seriously. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So moving on really quickly here, Eric and Andre ask. First of all, Eric is. Have we ever thought of doing a national tour of track days? <clears throat> yes, we have. Money, no object. Yes, we yeah. have. Well, we would love to. Welcome to things on our list. Yeah. What a great idea. And Andre asks about helmet recommendations for said track days. And I will suggest the Snell Memorial Foundation, smf.org. Go there because every high-performance driving event, and you know whether it's NASA or a <clears throat> Porsche driving event or BMW, <laughs> There it is again. <laughs> Snuck Go that on. in there. Whatever that mm-hmm. is, they have yeah, different requirements. Generally speaking, 2010 rating or higher right now. Some are 2005 and higher, but they can continually keep increasing. Depends on the kind of driving you're going to do. Depends on the speeds of the mm-hmm. track. But I will say, go check that out. Look at what kind of high-performance driving event you want to go do and what they require, and that will help you shop. Snell is great. It's excellent for that. Yeah. Consult the website first. Then go look at helmets, ask the people selling the helmet, and finally look at what, you know, what is the event? Is it karting? Is it motorcycles? Is it, you know, kids events? Is it, you know, high-performance track days? What kind of driving are you doing? Well, I'm going to say two other things. Uh, First off, um, when we shopped for our helmets, obviously we shopped specifically to have full open-face helmets so you can see our face. That is a tiny fraction of the helmet market. If that doesn't concern you, and I would say you probably may as well just get one that is that doesn't have that feature and has a, a full full face, you have far more options at far more price points. The second reality is uh, get over yourself. No one looks good in a helmet. So uh, just, just embrace that reality. Whatever helmet you put on, it's just, hey, look, it's me now as a Q-tip. I mean, that's really what happens. Pretty much. So... Um, 
yeah, so especially if you have the the open face helmet like we do, you really are just a walking Q-tip. So yeah, get over that reality. Uh, Sparco makes a fairly affordable, actually open face and other helmets, and so does Bell. We actually happen to wear the Bell ones. Our friends at RSR in uh, in Germany actually uh, give people the Sparcos. Those are fairly affordable open face helmets, and of course they make closed ones as well. Go with what you like, and uh, and you can afford. You can spend an unbelievable amount on a helmet. And the, and the deciding factor most of the time is it became carbon, and you think, why do I need a carbon fiber helmet until you do a track day at high speeds wearing a normal weighted helmet, and you go, yeah, this is why you buy carbon helmets, because my <laughs> neck wouldn't hurt. I mean, it's weird. You, you, you almost have to wear your helmet around and get your neck, neck conditioned. And I tried that for about 30 minutes one day, and my wife could not stop laughing at her Q-tip husband, so I promptly took the helmet off and dealt with it. So, yeah, this is the reality of helmet buying. Like, fine, fine. Awesome. Well, mm -hmm. I've got two quick, super quick questions. We're coming up on an hour. We're at an hour, but uh, anything else on We're your dead. list? Uh, well, I'm not sure what you wanted to cover. I mean, I feel like there may be a longer conversation here, but Dan Corwin asked us to kind of run through the the realities of the differences dynamically between rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, front-wheel drive. That may be a longer conversation for another podcast. I'm wondering if that's an opening discussion at some point. But I like that question, Dan, for sure. Yeah, that is interesting. I've got two quick ones here. Adam Reiner asks, now that the Brexit has happened, is it now time to buy a new Jaguar on the cheap? And while oh, we're no. not here to comment on the state of world politics, I did think Range Rovers for everyone. Range Rovers for everyone, everybody! <laughs> Lollipops! I, no. Yeah, <laughs> promptly walking away from all political commentary. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. And then finally, Nathaniel Kuhn. Yes, Nate, you're asking me, what am I expecting in the M2 that is better than the Cayman GTS? And uh, you're going to have to wait for the video, which will be coming out at some point. So there. That is, that is the best part of the answer to that question is that, <laughs> Nate, we have, we have shot that. We yes. have shot GTS versus M2. Very excited about that piece. I will, I'll go ahead and put it out there. It's not like it's coming up in the next couple of weeks. We have our uh, Mustang track piece coming up, our pink Jag piece coming up. We have our, our first... Cayman GTS, Paul, this is his new long-term car. That video is coming up. All of those are ahead of GTS versus M2. I'm also doing a, uh, an additional long-term on the long-term Cayenne. So we're going to have a couple pieces of Porsche content in a row. I apologize hey. for that for those of you that are drinking along with Porsche. Or maybe you're thanking me. I'm not sure which way that goes. But <laughs> Paramedics uh, are pumping GTS... stomachs at this point. I mean, they're just... Yeah, awesome. The GTS M2 video is going to be actually really cool. So that is coming, and we'll have a discussion about what on earth is Paul thinking, which may be the source of its own podcast and video, but that will happen. In the meantime, thank you guys for listening, for watching. Bring your car debates to, as I keep saying, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail and our website. Don't forget about the pilgrimage trip and Chicago Track Day. Can you hear me beating on that dead horse there? It's not dead. It's just it's not it's not a dead horse. It's, it's not a dead horse a, until after a, the events happen or no, a couple weeks true. before they happen. That's true. So that's true. you know, this is why we got to ring the bell right now. And uh, this week, uh, yes, number two is coming. So prepare yourselves for that. And uh, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Talk to you then.